From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. everybody. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today. We have a wonderful guest. We have Peter Smith, and Peter Smith wrote a book called Quantum Consciousness, Journey Through Other Realms. Now, this is a pretty neat guy. He used to be the former president of the Newton Institute, for those of you that are playing along at home. You can Google him, and you can find his book on Amazon, and what I like about this man is he covers information in such a clear and concise manner. And he talks about such things as the creator, in fact, the entanglement, the everywhereness. And then we can talk about alternate consciousness, parallel consciousness. And my thing that I really like a lot is the concept of interdimensional consciousness. So if these are words that you're going, hmm, they sound pretty interesting, I would head over to Amazon and get a copy of this book. And I need you guys to know that Peter Smith did not pay any promotional materials for today. He didn't give us any money. He came through a friend of a friend, Barry Eaton, who's a regular on my shows. And Barry Eaton is at radio out there. And Peter has done a bunch of shows with him that I've had the pleasure to listen to. And I really wanted to bring him to our listeners. So check him out. You'll be glad you did. Peter, welcome to the show. Hi, Sandra. It's lovely to be here. Now, where are you coming from? I hear you have an accent. Well, yeah. Well, I'm down under and uh, in Australia and I live on the east coast roughly halfway up you know north of Sydney south of Brisbane in the in a beautiful area that's filled with um, pastureland and rainforest. We love that we love that now we're coming to you from Los Angeles and we like to go around the globe to find terrific authors and great thought leaders that's what I think attracted me the most to you and your work and your dimples because you got really cute dimples if you guys could see him <laughs> he's got these cute little dimples when he smiles um, but it's radio so you can't see that you'll just have to trust me. Um, and you have a, a very interesting background. That's the other thing that intrigued me. You know, I have a master's in business from Northwestern University, an undergraduate in journalism. And, you know, I worked a lot in uh, real estate, banking, and finance. And I find myself here on the radio talking about consciousness. And then I saw your background in finance banking and go, okay, this is somebody who gets it. Because we have interdisciplinary science working for us, as well as higher education and a good pedigree. So can you give me a little bit about that pedigree and what led you to go from business and finance to be, you know, president of the Newton Institute? Because that's not your typical, that's not your typical story. Oh, it's, a, it's quite an interesting career path, I guess. But um you know, I was a, a banking executive in Australia, and I like to think of myself as a reformed banking executive <laughs> these days. Uh, I got it all the way through. I'd had 23 years in banking, started at an early age. And uh, I guess I was born with an internal desire to make a difference in the world, Sandra. Okay. And, you know, I got to help a lot of people in banking. I was senior enough to run a few side projects, like getting computers to Africa you know, to help in African villages when the bank had finished with them. And that gave me a lot of fulfillment. But I was drawn more and more into the metaphysical. And we started to use, even back in banking then, the organisation I worked for at the time was a little bit uh, advanced in their thinking. They had a couple of leaders who were embracing consciousness. And we started to work with some consciousness models to change the, the values of the organisation. So that got me interested in consciousness uh, about that time as well. I found um, I had um, been very stressed and I went to a hypnotherapist and um, my, my uh, local doctor actually, and she introduced me to expanded states of awareness. Um, then I found a photograph of my great grandfather and we looked identical. I started to wonder about reincarnation. This is all like 30 years ago. Sure. And then, and then um, you know, I decided I wanted to make the big leap. 
Uh, I'd had enough of banking and corporate life. Um, they were actually putting me through an MBA at the time. And I dropped out in my MBA year and studied hypnotherapy. And everybody told me I was completely nuts. But I guess at this point, I'm so glad that I did that and had the courage to do so. Right. I'm so glad you were completely nuts. Yeah. So uh, from there, I, I became a hypnotherapist. I mean, these days, it's more about facilitation of consciousness. And I feel that hypnotherapy has a beautiful modality that most people are aware of. I started that. I built different schools, um, worked with Michael Newton for quite a while. And I'm still you know, an advisor to the board of the Newton Institute now. And uh, he was a great mentor for me. He introduced me to the afterlife, to um, even the, the realm of quantum physics. And we had some fantastic conversations in uh, the construction of this particular book. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2016. But up until that time, um, he'd been a trailblazer of consciousness. And, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction from doing some of that as well. now. Absolutely. I mean, you, you were able to essentially record part of the thoughts and experiences of an icon. And that's, that's pretty cool. I want to ask you, and I ask most of my guests that talk about consciousness, um, what is consciousness? And, and what does it mean to have an expanded consciousness? Hmm. Well, I believe, you know, reality, you know, you can talk to a quantum physicist and you can talk to 20 of them and they'll all give you a different understanding of what they believe reality to be. So I try and keep it really simple, Sandra. I believe that everything is energy. You'll get that from a quantum physicist. You'll yep. get that from a metaphysical teacher, from a Reiki master, from anybody. Everything is energy. It's like the, the infrastructure of the universe. Mm -hmm. And I believe consciousness is the lifeblood of the universe, the awareness that brings it into being. So for my mind, consciousness is the ocean of awareness mm -hmm. that sits on that infrastructure of energy that is the universe and the beauty of the work that me and people like me do is that we steer people through that consciousness by taking their own personal awareness to different places of that ocean of awareness that sits on the infrastructure of energy mm -hmm. well i think that's and the, the you know like to talk just to stop you for a second i have um Yep. recently an experience of a friend who whose father is passing and we would have these long conversations because they withheld water from him like 10 days ago and he was still around he died died a couple nights ago and we were talking about consciousness and awareness because he's obviously unconscious on the table and yet there's still energy flowing through his body. His heart is beating his, uh, he had Alzheimer's, which was the, the diagnosis. So his eyes were kind of fixed and open, but there was no awareness. There was no tracking. There was no, and that was a very physical demonstration of the body that is functioning. There's energy flowing, the heart's beating, obviously something's happening there, but, there's no awareness, there's no consciousness, but it goes so much beyond that. And that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, I think that we have, um, and, and this was the great learnings from Michael Newton's work, and he published his first book back in, I think, 93. Mm -hmm. And this was that there is this incredible um, symbiotic duality between us and our soul. Mm -hmm. And our soul comes here to make the, uh, the experiences of this particular planet and this particular reality, part of the learning process. Peter, I'm just gonna stop you for a second because I wanna thank our sponsor today. Our sponsor is Indeed, and that's spelled I-N-D-E-E-D.com. And Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. And we're talking today about resiliency and the capacity to recover quickly from challenges and difficulties. And it's so crucial in business, and it's very crucial in your health. So if you're in charge of hiring, Resilience should be in every job description, whether you're ready to make your next important hire or need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Now, unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need. You can pause at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your job search so much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. And with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have done for over 3 million businesses. Now, right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed with our free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Powered Up. That's Indeed.com slash Powered Up. And this is the best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash Powered Up. Terms and conditions apply. And the offer is valid through September 30th. Now, Peter, before I thanked our sponsor, uh, you were talking about something that you want to share with us that is really powerful in your life. Got this saying that, that I trot out every now and again, Sandra. So I'll offer it now that every moment of every day, your soul knows exactly what it's doing, and that there is a greater awareness that we are that is gently hidden within us. That under the right circumstances, we can remember, and when we remember that magnificence of who we are, life is always different from that moment onwards. Mm-hmm. You know, some some people have a near death experience. Um, some people have a, a brush with death. And something awakens within them that they are part of something greater than they know. And that can be a turning point for so many. Well, and I think that's what started me, Peter, on this journey. I had a baby, gosh, 17 years ago now, and I hemorrhaged and I bled out. And I went to this place, Peter, where in the first couple, whatever the time frame was, I kept going, I can't see my hands. I'm still me, but I can't see my hands. And then I, and I call them triangle people because they look like triangle, big triangles of lights. And they were talking to me, but there were no words. And I wanted to go further. I wasn't allowed to. I'm having all this conversation. And when I came back into my body, there's much more of it, but the show's about you, not me. Um, but when I came back to my body, I came in like a crash. It wasn't gentle. It wasn't pretty. You know, you see on TV, these floaties. I was like hit by a rock and went back into my body. I woke up and was talking to the nurse about it. And she's like, Hey, you know, you had a baby boy and (laughs) I could care less about all of that stuff. It had no meaning to me. And I had to kind of wrestle it back. And for a couple years, Peter, I didn't tell anybody. And I didn't know what happened to me. I had never heard the word NDE. You know, now we see it on TV and movies all the time. And it was a source of great shame to me because the person who, before the baby and after the baby, was a very, very different person. I smelled things differently. I saw things differently. I was an entirely different kind of type A, uptight person (laughs) before then and became this free-spirited hippie. like on the way out. It's the best way I could describe it. And that's what started me on this journey. Cause I'm like, there is so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love that story. And I've heard so many of them over the years. And, and in the book, there's a story about a lady who uh, left her body in a car accident and she, you know, um, she watched her uh, body be taken in an ambulance down the expressway. And um, she's chasing the ambulance to keep up with the body. And she's like, 20 yards behind and 20 yards above the ambulance, chased it all the way to the OR and then finally jumped in two days later. And we retrieved all of this in the session. So, I mean, your experience is one that is absolutely and completely life-changing. It is. And I was up in the, this was the thing that made me go, this isn't a dream. This isn't the drugs. Cause when I talked to the nurses after Peter, I was up on the wall. There's this mirror, which is a horrible mirror. Who wants to watch the baby be born? I don't know, but there's a mirror way up on the ceiling to there. I was kind of sitting up there watching the whole thing. Cause I shut my eyes. I'm like, I do not need to see a human come out of me. I'm okay to live without that, that visual. And I could describe to her the way the tables were set up and where my son was and how he peed on everybody. And they all laughed. And I'm on another table and they're like, well, you couldn't have really heard any of that. You couldn't have seen any of that because you were draped. You were on a table. There was a screen, you know, and then you were put under. So how do you have these memories? And I, I can still, Peter, to this day, I could draw out that surgical room if you asked me to. It's it's that vivid. Yeah. Um, and so I think anybody who's experienced that, 
it's a real good lesson to go, okay, there's, there's a lot more than what we're talking about you know, what we know from physical science or even from, you know, the, I took chemistry and physics. So I, I like those subjects and I like economics and I realize there's so much more to them than just we, what we accept in a textbook, if you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the, it's the exploration of that that is so life-changing. Mm -hmm. And when you look at an, an event like yours and so many other people have, all of that is by accident. It's an accidental awakening. But when we have the enthusiasm and the desire to do it purposefully, and, on, and you know, we move into a space where we can do that, um, we get exactly what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was an accident, though? Or do you think, like, you know, you had said earlier, and this is me and my note-taking here, you know, every moment of every day, your soul knows exactly what it's doing. So my well, question is... Is it an accident or, and I know I'm putting you on the spot here with this, but I don't believe it was an accident. I believe all of those things unfolded exactly as they were supposed to. Yeah, look, I'm a big believer in predestiny and that we set things up before we come. And I've heard it from the, the mouths of hundreds and hundreds of clients that they brought a certain event into their life as part of their awakening. Mm -hmm. And I would hazard a guess, it's your story and not mine, of course, but I would hazard a guess that, yeah, I reckon your soul knew exactly what she was doing in that moment. Yeah, because even though I was afraid and I had some nervousness, like anyone would be having a baby and, you know, going to the hospital and things like that, all of these things that unfolded were not necessarily a surprise. They were happening and things, you know, and, but I, and I was more embarrassed about how people would perceive me, you know, would they see this, you know, yeah. Northwestern master's degree, all of a sudden talking about floating on the ceiling in the middle of a hospital, you know, would, would I be um, invalidated as a human being? Yeah. And that was, that took me a while to get over because that was 17 years ago where a lot of this wasn't commonplace. Absolutely. Yeah, as for putting me on the spot, I mean, that's why I'm here. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, like five minutes into the interview. Good job, Sam. You know, you've already nailed them with a, with a note to, to crit. But so let's talk about that awakening because that goes on to your definition of cons um, consciousness, which I love. How were you awakened? Like what did you have something like I call it being hit by a two by four? Many of us have to be hit by a two by four to awaken, but some people have a more gentler path. How did you awaken? What was the catalyst? What was the aha or the, the you know, the door that like I look at consciousness as all these doors and we can open these different doors like the Monsters Inc. movie and, and walk into one of those yeah. doors and we can leave and shut the door. Um, yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did your journey? become a consciousness journey because you can't tell me you just woke up one day and thought i'm going to explore consciousness well i guess it's three events that happen you know as they they drop into your timeline and, and every time you get one of these events you get another one first one happened when i was about 12 and um, i left my body while i was asleep and somehow i woke up uh, out of body and i was floating above the house and I remember looking down at the house and thinking, you know, our trampoline in the backyard that most kids have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember, gee, it's so small. Why is it so small? And then I remember looking at the roof of the house and saying, gee, there's so many leaves in the gutters. <laughs> my dad, my dad needs to get up on the roof. So, you know, there was that. And, okay. and then when I realized what was happening. I, I had the big thump like you described. And, uh, and I was back in my body and I thought, well, that's pretty fascinating. The second one was when uh, I went and actually explored some work in, in past life as a client myself. And I came up with some information about World War II and, and I was on a submarine that was rammed by a ship. And I had enough information to go and research that and actually saw a photo taken by a journalist mm -hmm. of that collision. Because as you know, the, you know, they often had the war correspondents that travel. Sure. This guy had a camera. And he took a, a, a picture of the ship hitting the submarine at exactly the same angle as what I saw in my vision during the mm -hmm. past life. And it validated everything for me. So when reincarnation was validated for me, it was validated for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those would be the, the two big ones. But I think probably the, the biggest one was when I had my first life between lives experience. 
and uh, experienced myself as a soul. And I did that with the, when I was first trained by the Michael Newton Institute many years ago. And, you know, when you go into a, you know, what we call a trance state in that work, and, you know, you're at a training, you're working in, you know, with somebody else, uh, it's their first attempt to offer one, it's my first attempt to receive one. Somehow spirit gets a hold of that and gives you the, the Rolls Royce type experience. Wow. And I, I remember um, coming back and I'm lying on the bed in the, in the room that we were working in the, in the hotel where the training was. I looked over the clock and five hours had gone. And I thought, you know, it seemed like about 30, 35 minutes. So that whole time distortion is a real characteristic of transcending physical time and space. And uh, time distortion is um, a real characteristic of exploring consciousness because out there, there is no time. That's why we can access other realities, other lifetimes, um, what it's like to blend with the fabric of the cosmos itself. I mean, we're not restricted in the same way we are in, in these beautiful but limited human vehicles. Well, but I mean, let's talk about time distortion just for a second. And, um, you know, anybody can experience time distortion. Anybody who's ever taken a test and looked at the clock, and I remember this in yeah. graduate school, it was one of those tests where they had like four questions, A, B, C, and D. And I went to the first page, nope, can't answer the one, so I can't do B, C, D, and E. Then I went to the back of the test because my routine was to go to the back of the test. I'm like, crap, I can't answer this one. I can't answer two. I can't answer three. That was the longest hour of my life, sitting there twiddling my thumbs going, I had got nothing on this. And it was a statistical economics class. And I just didn't, couldn't, got a zero, got a goose egg. But then sometimes I would be in a test and I'd really be in the flow. And I'm like, I have so much to say. I have so much to say. And the clock felt, felt like it drained out of nowhere. So I think if we're honest with with each other and we we recognize that time is distorted by our beliefs by our experience and our expectations yeah absolutely and i've always said that if we have you know if you use the model of the subconscious you know i'm not sort of much of a conscious subconscious superconscious guy dividing the mind that way now i believe everything exists in the energy field mm -hmm. and we simply access it differently so i'm a lot more fluid in my models of the human condition these days but I know that when we, um, you know, for, well, for many years, I've helped people resolve trauma, mm -hmm. um, anxiety, depression, any of that, you know, as, as long as the metaphysical, you know, I've got a good therapeutic background as well. And I remember going to childhood traumas and somebody revivicating that trauma that happened to them at five years of age. And they are still there and they are in that. And this, it's like the subconscious mind can't tell time. Mm -hmm. We live in a world of, of time, but uh, the subconscious exists in a world of energy. And when energy is trapped there, it continues to influence whatever's happening on the surface, which mm -hmm. is the rest of us, you know, until such time as we go back and we repair that energy. But then when I started to do past life work after that, um, it became even more prevalent because you'd have somebody describing what it's like to be writhing on the floor of the Colosseum while they're being stabbed to death or mm -hmm. eaten by a lion or you know, somebody will describe what it's like as a herbalist in the 1500s running from the soldiers through the forest and they're terrified. Mm -hmm. And it's like we can tap into that like it's everything is now. Everything is happening in this moment. And we talk a lot about how linear time is just a characteristic of the human condition and the physical reality because we need to put things in order so that we can learn in the, in the classroom of mm -hmm. this world. But for my mind, everything is happening at once. And I think it was, um, it was Einstein that said, the only reason we have the present is to stop the past colliding with the future. Right. So, so everything really is happening at once. And over the years, I've seen so many people go into that space where they had access to everything, not just across space, but across time also. Well, and I think, you know, I had a small experience with a past life regression and it was, you know, just a very, very small, tiny one, but the funny one, it was in front of my kids and, you know, my friend who's from Iran and that's his specialty, you know, we were talking and he's like, well, let's do a past life regression. So we do this thing and what came across was, you know, like 17th, 18th century France and 
I was cooking chickens and I was an expert and I could talk about the pots and where the hearth was and all this stuff. I could see the dirt on the floor and it was very French and everything was chickens. And when we came home, I walked into my kitchen and this is what I call past life leftovers because you have leftovers in the kitchen. I walk in my kitchen, Peter, and I swear to God on there is a beautiful antique picture of a chicken and it says poulet in French. And in my kitchen is chickens, but they weren't like country chickens. It was French chickens. And I remember when I put this particular kitchen together, which I still have, and I was looking for things and everything was French. Now I'm from Buffalo. Okay. (laughs) It's Buffalo is like up in the Northern part of, of the United States. It's snowy. And yes, it's near the Canadian border. And yes, there's some French but why? And then I had this huge knife collection. Like, Peter, don't ever surprise me in the middle of the night in the kitchen because you'll get sliced to ribbons. But I loved knives. I, you know, I went to cooking school. I loved these things. And in that particular past life regression, it came about that my husband at the time slipped my throat. And if you can verify for me, I have a giant scar here from a thyroid yeah. um, tumor when I was 13. And, you know, there's this, you can see it there. You can see this big white one. And I'm in the kitchen going, there are French chickens. And I look in the mirror and see this big scar. And it was kind of interesting to go, well, did that happen in this lifetime? Like I started getting confused. And then I'm like, well, maybe there's leftovers that show up in other lives. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, we call them quantum echoes. Oh, okay. So that's better than leftovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the quantum, uh, in the quantum consciousness work, and and the other stuff that we do. So, we see it all the time. And I like to think of those, Sandra, as an invitation to clear something from another time. And you know, I, I had a client last week, and I started one with her, and she said, you know, I'm really feeling anxious. Um, as you may have heard, there's a city in Australia called Melbourne that's in complete lockdown, and is right you know, um, having some real difficulty at the moment. Uh, I do work on Zoom, so I'm helping some of my old client base because I lived down there for 25 years. So, um, you know, I had um, this lady came to me with anxiety and all of a sudden she finds herself in another lifetime. So it's like it's manifested in the here and now to give us access to information that allows us to clear something from the lineage of our soul. But the beauty of that, when you find um, a gold nugget like that, if I can call it, and, um, you know, you mentioned your email to me about the holographic nature of, of healing. Yep. If you can find a, a, a one anxious life, you can find a whole lot. And when you move outside of time and space, um, if you're facilitated by somebody who has an understanding of this concept, they may ask something really simple, like how many lifetimes has this happened? And the number just comes, 12, 14, 20. And then we'll ask all of those others to join us. Because in the quantum realm, you can do anything once we're right. in the field. So we bring the 20 forward. Um, they help each other to heal. There's lots of different ways you can do that. But just by creating the awareness of this holographic healing to give love and light to all of those others and to send them back across time and space clears the collective consciousness of humanity. It resolves that pattern in the past lifetime uh, of that particular client. Um, it may even clear intergenerational trauma. So what it does is it really lifts the collective consciousness of humanity into a more healed state. But it's all about the intention and the understanding that that's possible that creates it in the first place. Well, and I just want to give you a very prosaic answer of trauma healing. Um, When I, I was working with a therapist and I had a particularly traumatic experience and she had me go back to that place and sit in that space and then connect with Sandra from many years ago, have a conversation with her, tell her that she, you know, you're here, you're going to take care of you, protect her. You're so sorry yeah. that you didn't protect her then, you know, go through this. And this is, you know, a very typical trauma treatment yeah. to go back and revisit that. And then to take, you know, old Sandra's hand and say, you know, come on, you'll come into the future. You're healed. Now I'll protect you and integrate these two holes, you know, or two halves back into a hole. And I used to have what I called a hot spot with that, that 
place because anytime I'd go near it, it, it would feel hot. Like that's where some trauma happened. That's where a bad thing happened. And then after that kind of reintegration of old Sandra and present Sandra into an, into a hole and a healing that place lost its heat. I don't even remember. I'm like, every once in a while, uh, something will come to mind. I'll be like, oh yeah, I used to avoid that place. Oh yeah, that I didn't like to be in that place because that was a, a hot spot. So what you're talking about is kind of the internal workings of this very common technique to heal past yeah. trauma. But that's for people yeah. that have it in this lifetime. But what I'm understanding you telling me, the holographic healing is multiple lifetimes like when you said again back to my notes when you said you can go back how many lifetimes did this happen and you get 12 or 13 yeah that's showing me that we are putting ourselves back in these lives for repeated trauma in order to work through them is that, is that a correct statement well, it is. I think we uh, we do things over and over again until we get them right. We have that great opportunity. Um, right. My understanding of karma is it's it's not an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. It's just another chance to get it right. So when we do that and we clear that, that's that's a, a beautiful way to desensitize difficulty across the span of our soul lineage. But this is just the start of what we can do in the field. And, and I love that desensitization technique, if I can call it that, that you described. And that's, um, that's a good therapist that uses those types of techniques to travel across time and space, sometimes not even realizing that they're working in a quantum type way. But what we've, what we've started to do now, two things have, have happened for me that extend on from that. The first of those with the quantum consciousness experience, what we've, we do is we bring forward another aspect of the person um, from this realm, from any of the other realms, alternate, interdimensional, parallel, who can serve them. And sometimes we steer them out deliberately through those realms. But often we'll have um, an aspect of them come forward who is wiser. And they come forward, and that might be us plus 10 years, and they come forward with this incredible wisdom that, not just desensitizes the past, but actually transcends it and takes it into a whole new vibration that lets it go. And the other fascinating thing that we've seen in this work as well is, you know, as a long-time therapist as well, often we go back and we heal the inner child and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we think if a child turns up in a session, a little version of the client, you know, I used to think in the old days, oh, somebody needs healing. But now these kids are coming forward at times as the healers. And I remember one really powerful one and uh, this one's in the book with a guy called Paul. Um, Paul was a bit, you know, stuck in a career decision and all that sort of stuff. And we go out into the quantum realms. The first person who came forward was his eight-year-old. And I think, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, a typical therapist would think this is the original sensitizing time in Paul's life that is behind his procrastination now. But this eight-year-old came forward to tell him what it's like to take a leap of faith. And he took him back to the local swimming pool where he learned to jump off the blocks when he was eight. And he took him by the hand and they jumped together, showing that it was time for him to take a leap of faith and back himself. So when we enter into um, transcendent type experiences rather than therapeutic ones, mm -hmm. we realise that we have all of these resources at our fingertips that can come forward and help us in the here and now. So, you know, fancy learning something beautiful like that from your eight-year-old. I think that's really special. I think so too. Now, is this something people can do themselves? You know, is this something that has to have a guided person? You know, because Peter, we're in 17 different countries. We're going to be airing this show, you know, kind of in perpetuity, especially through podcasting. And there will be people who either can't afford or can't get to a trained yeah. therapist that, that could do these or a, a practitioner that could do these things. So, what does the layman do? You know, what does the person do who's the wife listening to this and secretly she wants to do these, but she doesn't have access to these things? What There's got to be a way that people can do some of these things themselves. Now, that doesn't mean they shouldn't go out and buy your quantum consciousness book. I ordered a copy of it. It's not expensive, $9.99 on Kindle, $13 on paperback. You'll be glad you spent that money. But for outside of that, how do people connect with their past lives or is it just a crapshoot? You're waiting to have a baby and die in the middle of it and come back. 
<laughs> well, I think that's the hard road, really, Sandra, that you took. <laughs> what I'd offer is this. Um, first of all, we've trained people in different parts of the world. Um, obviously, from my accent, most of my people are in, um, in Australia, but we've got a couple over in California. There's one in Chicago, somebody in London. Uh, we've got Canada, Vancouver. Uh, we've got Mexico City. So we've got other people who are starting to emerge. But what I'll offer as well is, is one thing that um, this virus situation uh, that we've been told about has done for people like me is a lot of us now offer our services online. Mm -hmm. So um, whole businesses have just landed on things like Zoom, like we're mm -hmm. talking on now. So there's always um, Zoom opportunities to do it. And that's, I got to the stage because I live in the countryside now. I've, I've actually closed my face-to-face -face clinic and uh, now just work on Zoom. So there's, there's that possibility. In terms of making people self-sufficient, we see these as these quantum consciousness experiences or, or other types of consciousness work. Often they're a one-off and our whole intention behind it is to put people in... Um, in touch with resources that continue to serve them. And if somebody goes out through the different realms of consciousness, out through um, the stored consciousness, the alternate, parallel, interdimensional, out into the universe itself, as we move out through those levels, we meet resources as aspects of themselves that come in. Now, we'll always record that for the client as well. So following the session, they can still have access to those resources. Mm -hmm. And often we'll say, will you stay in touch, you know, with a, a very wise aspect of themselves that might come from what we see as a parallel life or another time on Earth. So they stay with that and then they can continue to work with them by themselves. And what I love about the recordings as well is people go back to the recordings and they realign with the energy that they were offered that day. And just by listening to the recording, closing their eyes, going back there, listening to yourself in that wise state of being can be enough to offer you even more because once you realize that you're a, a quantum being uh, the door stays open it can never be closed again i love that you, you always say things like and you sound so smart you know because you're like you know you're a quantum being and once that door stays open you know my thing is like it's like one of those things like once you see it you can't unsee it you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, absolutely. you know, just in, in simple terms. Um, but I love, I love your languaging because I, I do write that down because it does make, it sounds so much better than like what you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So the other thing is, you know, you talked about these recordings and being valuable as time goes on. You know, I get readings from different people that I trust. Dr. Geraldine Tegelov in your neck of the woods is one that I very much trust. And I like to go back and reread my reading over and over because deeper meaning comes through, like what you, what you experience at the time. And this is something, I'm not asking you to divulge any trade secrets, but I'd like you to walk me through, and our listeners too, who have never had the opportunity to experience work like this, like what does it look like? Do you lay down on a couch, you know, put a feather on your head? I mean, you know, what does it look like to the layman who might be considering something like this? Like, what does it look like, Peter? What is it? Does it take long? Do you go into a hypnotic trance? Can you make me dance like a chicken? Like, you know, what are these, you know, because you look on TV and you see all sorts of variations of work like this. But I want to hear from the horse's mouth. Yeah, okay. Well, chickens, horses, whatever it takes. I don't yeah. mind. Woo! Um, what I'll offer first, Sandra, is the underlying philosophy of this is that when we train the consciousness facilitators in any of these forms, we um, teach them the methodology and the philosophy that the being before them is an incredible multidimensional being that has their own answers. Now, we believe that everybody is magnificent beyond their wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. Now, when you go to see a facilitator like that, then sometimes you'll be in the company of somebody who truly, truly sees you for who you are and believes in you in ways you may not have experienced before. Okay. So that's why we don't call this therapy. We call this facilitation of consciousness. Because gotcha. the person, person before you uh, is somebody who truly believes in you. And under the rules of quantum entanglement, if I believe that about you, that starts to lift you before I've even said a word. Okay. Gotcha. Then we... Um, 
there was a time when I used to take people down into a trance state and, and very successfully, and you know, you'd go down to go out. We don't take people down anymore, we take them out. So we're a, once you used to take them down deeper and deeper, now we take them out further and further. And this is expanded states of awareness. It's not near-death experience or astral traveling because your awareness actually includes your body. And we honor the body as the doorway to your magnificence. So you've chosen this doorway out of 7 billion other options on this planet for a reason, because it's the one, only one that would do. Now, that in itself, I think, is a profound act of unconditional love that your soul chose to be you. So once we're in that space, we use uh, specific words and, and techniques. It's, it's very um, high vibrational language, if you like, mm -hmm. to just gently coax the consciousness to expand beyond the body, to include the body, but to move out into these different realms. Once we do that, and the awareness is greater than our five senses, and we just move into a place of knowing, uh, we help people to remember at this very deep level that this is who they truly are. Once they remember who they really are, they have access to so much more. Now we'll create an intention for a session and we will ask them, you know, the intention might not be get rid of my depression. It might be to set me free from anything that's in the way of my magnificence. So just, just by stating the intention, it takes them away from the depression or the anxiety or anything that might be. And we might have somebody who just wants to experience the universe itself. And the intention might be set my consciousness free into the universe to find what I most need today. So the way that we state all of that sets us up for these journeys. Now, the role of the facilitator is to move somebody out through these different realms of consciousness. And we recognize the present consciousness as the start point mm -hmm. and the returning point, um, honoring that as the doorway that it is. We then move out through what we call stored consciousness, which is the record of our lifetime in this timeline that we know now. And I'm sitting here before you at 56 years of age. So my present consciousness is 56. But, you know, um, I am my past, my present and my future. So, you know, I might get a resource that comes forward who's 70 that has some advice and support for me that helps me with that. So we work um, to invite forward any aspects of us at any age in this timeline that can serve us today, either by exchanging wisdom or requesting healing. So once we finish with that realm, we will we'll move out into the alternates. Uh, the alternate consciousness is very much about those forks in the road where we went in two directions and we are quantumly entangled with those other versions of ourselves, call them doppelgangers if you like, mm -hmm. but other versions of us, we're quantumly entangled with them because we came from the same source of subatomic particles. Mm -hmm. So under the rules of quantum entanglement and quantum physics, that's a very, very strong connection. And somebody once said to me, you know, Pete, how did you know you could access alternate realities? And I thought about it for a moment and I thought, well, it never occurred to me that you couldn't. Right. So that's well, and science has proven that through, through particle physics and, and affecting, yeah. you know, you guys can go ahead and Google that. But, you know, it's a proven fact that we can affect something here. It'll affect somewhere else. I'm using very, you know, loose layman's terms. But we've proven yeah. that by science. So why would that hold true for everything but us? Absolutely. And the, the background behind this work was I actually researched four key principles of quantum physics for two years before we built the, this, um, this approach. Uh, we looked at the observer effect. We looked at non-locality. We looked at the holographic nature of the universe. And we looked at, um, you know, um, all of the different ones that we can use. So, um, yeah, we built those then across into the, the, quantum, the quantum realms model. So on the basis of that, these journeys uh, take on a profound grounding in science, but we use that as a springboard to take us further out into the universe itself. So once we go through the alternates, um, we, um, we interact with any of those others that might have taken the other path and that might validate our path or might help them with their path for them to feel better. There might be some wisdom from one of those out through the parallel realms. Again, that's mm -hmm. equivalent of the old past life work, but yeah. still unfolding in the now that I've mentioned earlier when we talked about those 20 or so lifetimes that might come forward out into interdimensional consciousness. Mm -hmm. This is only one planet in the whole universe. And there is so much more to uh, our consciousness exploring other parts of the universe through different life forms, different dimensions mm -hmm. to bring some of those that, that are important for us to see in this form can also be quite um, life-changing. Mm -hmm. 
and then out into the fabric of the cosmos, cosmos itself, where we don't have to uh, connect with anything. Uh, we can just sit in the expanded state and blend with all there is. And even that in itself can be an incredible experience where people just sit in that space for some time. Mm -hmm. Can you bring yourself personally, Peter, into that expanded state yourself? Like, can you just pop over there? Like, meaning you personally, not not me. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just struggling enough with my present, you know, consciousness. Can can you, as a practitioner and the head of the institute, can you do some of these things for your own self, or does it require the assistance of someone to get into that state? I feel that you can do it in in two ways. If the resources are already set up and they've been offered to you, then um, I believe that they remain accessible. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was 50, I met my 60-year-old in one of the early sessions. We were the first crash test dummies for this work and put ourselves through the ringer as we brought it into being. And um, at the time, my old clinic got sold because the owner passed away and, um, you know, it was changing hands and I had to find new rooms, basically. I wanted to downsize because I was doing all this research. I only wanted to share a room a couple of days a week, do some clients to keep them, uh, keep my hand in and test out the theories. So um, with their, with their um, full um, understanding and um, uh, permission, of course. So um, I went to take this room in a, um, in a beautiful clinic. I was gonna share rooms with a psychologist. Um, he do a couple of days a week, I do a couple of days a week. And I'm sitting there ready to accept the offer and to sign the lease. And this big voice in my ear said, no. I said, oh, that's interesting. So I went to speak again and then said, no. I said, look, I'm going to get back to you, I said to the owner. And uh, my partner who was with me, who does this work with me. And I went outside and I, I turned to Melina and I said, now, what about that voice in there? She said, what voice? And I thought, oh, now, now I'm really nuts. So we went home and uh, because she does this work as well, she took me to meet the voice. And it was my 60-year-old and he just popped straight in. And he said, don't take the room. I said, why? He says, because it'll go horribly wrong. He said, there's a, a lady who's a friend of the owner and she's going to come and she's got mental illness and she's very powerful and she'll set about to try and destroy you and the world will be lost to the world. I thought, okay, thank you. I won't take the room. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I took a different direction and, and by the, the next week, something else had fallen in my lap. That's often happens when you listen. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother story. But, um, so my first point is when the resources are shared with you from a previous session, you can stay in touch with them. Sometimes under extreme circumstances, they'll get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. the, the next thing I'd say is that when I do a, a real session for myself, I prefer to be facilitated because it's very difficult to both steer, your, steer the boat and be the boat. Right. So it's, if you think of the old gondola, the gondola goes down the, the canals in Venice and it floats beautifully and, you know, it's got the beautiful um, prow on the front and all that. And there's a guy at the back who's got the long stick and he's gently pushing it along and they're a team. So to allow my consciousness to float freely, it's good for me not to be able to think about what to do next. Right. So you can be the boat, not the gondolier. Yeah. Yeah. I have a better experience when I have somebody offer it for me. It makes sense. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it makes great sense. I just know that that's sometimes people, we've got a lot of do-it-yourselfers. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. I, I, look, I favour both. Uh, for, but for if you want something that's really deep and profound and you want somebody to ask the questions that you'd never think of, right. then that's what makes a really powerful session. And for somebody who's, you know, we've been training people for some years now and we do the sessions ourselves as well. Um, our role is not just to steer the boat, but to help you to find the life-changing insights that you won't be able to find by yourself. Right. That makes that makes a lot of a lot of sense. I have one last question for you um, because this is something that's been on my mind, and I talked to one of my friends in New York City, Fred, who talks about this a lot. Future memories. The future memories, this is where I start to like kind of spin in a circle and you can see my little brain like overloading and starting to smoke. So if we are multidimensional beings existing at the same time in different levels of consciousness, if we have a future memory, is that 
Peter Smith, 60 year old, that's giving that future memory to me? Like, are we, where does the future memory come from? Because I get the past and I get how past can, you know, the leftovers are what you call the, um, what did you call those leftovers? He had such a nice way to put it. Quantum echoes. <laughs> yeah. So a future memory, where does that fit in all of this? And a future memory is very different from a premonition. I encourage our listeners to look up the difference between the two, but a future memory, I'd love your thoughts on that. Okay. So let me offer, the, offer you that and then um, some research we're doing on it now. First thing I'd offer about that is that a future memory for my mind is um, an opportunity and it's perhaps a, a part of us that's further ahead in time that moves outside time and space to send us a message to say this is possible but it's up to you to exercise your free will in order to make it happen so, so a future I memory isn't exactly written in stone we still got to, we still have to gravitate towards it because this is a universe that works on free will it works on, um, you know, the, the sovereign view of our energy, that our energy is sacred and we're part of a bigger energy and we have a say where our energy goes and what it does. But it also um, offers us the opportunity of free will. And free will is something where we can create. You mentioned the creator effect before. And the creator effect, um, every awareness, which comes from non-locality, entanglement comes from entanglement and holographic healing, which comes from the holographic nature of the universe. That for our mind is the essence of quantum consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now what that does is that offers us the opportunity to create our own reality. So future memories are certainly the possibilities, but under free will, if you don't want that memory, you don't want to head in that direction, you don't have to be. And that's why premonitions I, I think are, um, I, I guess us tapping the quantum field mm -hmm. to find out what else is out there and, and again, what's possible. But future memories, I think, are stronger ones because I think they come from a specific timeline. One of the, the pieces of work that we've now started to teach, and this, this goes straight into that, is ultimate consciousness. Mm -hmm. Now, ultimate consciousness is we have somebody that comes in. You know, I've got a series of teachers that are launching these courses now. Somebody comes to see a practitioner. We're training the practitioners, by the way. So they come to see an ultimate consciousness practitioner and they say, what is it that you wish to transcend? Well, this is how I want to be, this is how I want to be, this is how I want to be. I want these characteristics in myself. And in the theory of the multiverse, um, which, um, you know, rather than the collapse of the wave function to this reality, all of the other realities spin off it and keep going. So yeah. anything can happen, will happen in the quantum physics. So what we do is we tap the timelines of the future and we bring that ultimate consciousness forward. We blend with that person to bring the vibration of that um, beautiful, uh, ultimate state mm -hmm. into the now blend the person to that vibration and what i sense that does is that collapses all the timelines in between into that one self-fulfilling prophecy and that's a piece of work that we've started to teach now so you know we're training practitioners in that to, and and the the big picture of all of that sandra is as we make everybody as magnificent as they can be mm -hmm. humanity follows Right. So we're actually changing the future state of being for the whole of the consciousness of humanity because it's a deliberate ripple effect into that ocean of consciousness that I mentioned earlier that allows humanity to be the best that we can be as well. And we need some of that right now. We do. We need some of that right now. My last question for you, and I would keep you all day, like just asking you millions of questions, but how does the human body react to these consciousness changes? You know, when we talk about, you know, our brains can only recognize so much the human brain, but then when we tap into this consciousness, like, you know, and I remember being part of a group that, that was talked about. And then once the group was over, everybody got sick and they were different people online. So they couldn't have communicated, you know, sickness together, but the human body is is fragile and magnificent and terrific in its own rate, but can it keep up with this work? Like, you know, what does this, what does this work? How does this affect the human body in its present condition? Does it heal it? Does it stress it out? Does it strain it? Does it clarify it? And people come back with a profound sense of peace and an understanding they are part of a greater universe that permeates their, their mind at every level, permeates their energy field. The physical body is part of the energy field. The physical 
the physical body is a different type of matter though it's quite dense and sometimes it takes a little while to catch up mm -hmm. i've had clients who've um, they've been so relieved by the transcending of uh, an old issue that they've had that they'll go and sleep for a few hours mm -hmm. you know as their body recovers for my view is that this opens and and creates new neural pathways in the brain mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm by no means a brain scientist but i just get a sense of the shift in the people's thinking a shift in the attitudes and i think the body follows mm -hmm. but i think the body because it's so dense is the last to catch up our emotions can shift on a dime mm -hmm. our consciousness can expand under you know the, the right facilitator very quickly and all of that is the, the energy field is held differently the body as part of that energy field will catch up mm -hmm. i have seen people get up out of the chair with um, a complete absence of, uh, of a physical condition. I worked with a guy with his, one of the things on his list was his knee. Um, he came out of the session and had a pain in behind his uh, left patella. Um, the pain vanished. We found that it was something that came from um, intergenerational stuff. And once we found it and we released it, the pain disappeared. So some of it can be rapid, but other times um, when somebody's really used to and have in the mindsets of favoring a part of their body, takes a little bit of use to before it shifts. Well, and I, I like that you acknowledge the sleepiness because whenever I do work or, or sometimes even on radio shows like this, like I find myself getting really sleepy. You watch me. I started out all perky, then I'm getting sleepier and I'm absorbing and, you know, and I'll have a good sleep after a show like this. And I always thought, well, maybe there's something wrong with me, but it makes sense that, you know, the energy that we're working with, it takes a while for the body to catch up for most people. And I think I'm most people. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I'd like to, to note is when I meet people, they talk about past lives. Why is everybody else under the sun, some queen or king and somebody famous and the digging around that I've done, I come up with, you know, a cook and, you know, and a nobody. I mean, not everybody who has past lives can be amazing, famous people. And I, I just like to get your thoughts on that as we wrap up today's show. Um, all I can offer that is over many, many hundreds, maybe thousands of past life sessions of I don't think I've ever seen a really famous person. Thank you. I've seen I've seen people who've known famous people, mm -hmm. um, but you know somebody was in the court of Queen Elizabeth the first or whatever it might be, or somebody hung out in Sherwood Forest with outlaws, you know that sort of stuff. But you know, I think sometimes we bring some of our hidden desires into that work and we imagine it into being so my experience is that it doesn't really happen but it is possible oh well sure it is possible but i figured you know as i did my research and i talked to a lot of people i'm like okay all of you are somebody famous so if all of you were somebody famous you know unless we fragment it off into little splinters which you know who knows could be but we all can't be somebody famous. And so I didn't, I didn't feel bad after that. I just wanted to take that in because the, the only past life experience I've had with that one regression, which was just a little tiny one was I was a nobody. That sounds like a, uh, an authentic experience. Um, you know, I had somebody ring me up once and she said, my husband wants to come and do a session with you. And I said, Oh, why is that? And she said, he thinks he's the Red Baron because he likes planes. Oh. And and I thought, well, you know, if he comes and he wants to imagine an experience of being the Red Baron, he can probably have one. But so I said, no. I said, no, that's not the way that I take people on. It's about an open exploration without expectation. And then we can find something that's helpful for you today. Uh, I think if we try and find a famous person, I think it takes us away from the magnificence of who we chose to be this time. Right. Right, because it's somehow we're not good enough that we have to be someone famous in our life yep. versus being the magnificent being that we are created. So I want to thank you, Peter, for being my guest today. I'm going to do a shameless plug for your book, 
Quantum Consciousness, Journey Through Other Realms. You can find it on Kindle for $9.99. You can find it on paperback for $13.60. I think it is the best money you'll spend under $20. And look, you can still get a coffee to read along with it. I like that your book is not a fortune. Sometimes books in this realm can be so overpriced. It really makes it makes it an issue for those of us. For me, I'm a single mom, so I do watch my pennies, but I'm very glad that I can buy your book and a coffee at the same time. So Peter Smith, Quantum Consciousness, Journey Through Other Realms. You'll be glad you looked him up. You'll be glad you bought the book. Peter, thank you for being my guest today. Thanks for a great conversation, Sandra. Terrific. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 